we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. So plasmid gate, P-L-A-S-M-I-D. Plasmid. What is a plasmid? Why does it matter? And why could it be the undoing of this whole enterprise that has been thrust upon us by the institutions of the World Health Organization, FDA, and the CDC? So with that, we are going to talk about something that you probably depending on your age, may have never even heard about, uh, but it is going to be a very important theme in the upcoming months to year in terms of how we evaluate what was actually going on with this vaccine enterprise, or as I would, me and Stuart would call it, injection of genetic material. And in many ways, the plasmid is the best example of what went wrong. So Stuart, give us a little rundown. I will you know, circle back and kind of talk about specifically why plasmids are needed, but give me a, give us an idea of why this is important. Well, thank you, Jordan. And I think that uh, this is the most important uh, interview that Steve Kirsch has done to date. Um, uh, he interviewed Kevin McKernan, uh, Byron Bridle, and Chris Martinson. These are immunologists, uh, vaccine, uh, vaccinologists, uh, and uh, Bridal is out of uh, Canada. He gave us the important information two or three years ago showing that the biodistribution of these shots um, is everywhere. They swore to us, remember, they swore to us at the beginning, boy, how, how things have changed. The truth is revealed. Uh, the evil has been exposed. And this is groundbreaking. So, uh, Bridal and these other uh, two vaccinologists are looking at um, uh, the contamination within these shots, in particular Pfizer's. And what they have found is there is a SV40 uh, um, segment that has been, uh, that they've known about from the beginning. They hit it. Pfizer hit it. And uh, and this is going to be their undoing. Uh, and, you know, you look for signs of uh, the exposure and when the normal people that have been protecting Pfizer, uh, um, when they start telling on them, like the Canadian government, then everything hopefully will implode soon and these things will come off the market. I want yeah. to a segment for uh, Dr. Bridal explaining what has gone on with these uh, shots and how they are going to be culpable for this. This is really astounding. This is a very important uh, discussion we're having today. Wait, let me play it for us. Again, I can't emphasize this enough. Health Canada has stated in an email, um, so it's, it's publicly available, they've stated in an email that this is not supposed to be there, um, and they've confirmed that it's a bioactive molecule that's not supposed to be there. It breaks the rules. I mean, if they want to maintain any uh, thread of, of trust uh, in them by the public, they need to immediately put a moratorium on this. They need to, like, 
any other drug that would be found with a contaminant that was not disclosed to them would be uh, recalled immediately. That is exactly what should happen. So I actually disagree with you. I wouldn't say if there's anybody who doesn't need it, don't take it. I would say Health Canada, the onus is on you now. You admitted this months ago, but you were wishful or, or you at least were okay because Kevin's data was reserved to the U.S. It wasn't linked to your <laughs> regulatory policies. But now Kevin and uh, David Speaker and others have shown that it applies to Canada's uh, vaccine files. So now the, on- the public knows this and the onus is on you. You have a contaminant now that you have publicly disclosed to, to everybody is not supposed to be there, was not revealed to, to you. It breaks your rules. If I mean, this is the case, Steve. How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? One, right? So if if Health Canada wants to restore faith, they have to immediately recall this product. But they haven't. Remarkable. They've done nothing. They haven't. They've, They've done, done nothing, nothing so other than confirm it. That's right. I, I'm really confused on what they're waiting for. The adoption rate of these is so low. Like, what thread are they hanging on to uh, to, to keep them there? There's, there's very minimal risk for them to pull these at this stage when no one's taking, very few people are taking them anyway. I think it's important nonetheless that we push on this because there's children and pregnant women and a right, host of people right. that don't know this information yeah. that are getting hit with. Yeah. And can I mention one more yeah. thing, uh, yeah. Steve, to, to just to, uh, based on what Kevin said, um, what's very important is Kevin and, and David speaker and, and several other authors have this preprint that they just put out. Um, which includes this Canadian data. But what also is included in there is very important because it backs up what Kevin was saying. I agree. When I say that there's no like hard evidence of harm, I'm talking about those people who are saying there's nothing to see here, right? There is no problem. They have no evidence of that. Kevin, like Kevin mentioned, there are lots of theoretical harms, lots of theoretical harms, lots of potential mechanisms whereby this bioactive genetic sequence could cause harm. That is in and of itself sufficient. It should be sufficient in science to say, we've got to stop. We've got to do the research now to definitively answer these questions. But get this, what they showed in this preprint article is that the batches, the Canadian batches, they were able to link them to adverse event reports. And the batches that were most contaminated were associated with the highest number of adverse events that had been reported. There's a correlation there, right? So, so in fact, there is some evidence uh, in the hands of Kevin and his co-authors, right, that does suggest harm. That is groundbreaking, a groundbreaking statement from a very eminent uh, scientist who has been following the science for the last three and a half years. But doesn't that, uh, isn't that a, a startling statement? Finally, so, we have them, and they can't escape uh, the murderous, injurious uh, things that they have done to millions, billions of people. So let's go back, Stuart, and just explain a little bit of why this is important and how this happened. A couple things first was a lot of people don't know, but, you know, when you have a uh, product that you are manufacturing and even testing, um, like uh, especially a genetic material at this point, the mRNA, um, the processes for actually making this are uh, laborious or they're you know, lab intensive, they have a lot of digestive steps, they have a lot of washing steps, they have a lot of culture steps. It's what we call batch processing and engineering. Um, Batch processing is great, but batch processing, when you increase the size of the batch, a lot of times you have to come up with other ways to make the product. And so uh, as this paper that we'll include, this is basically Jessica Rose papers, 
says, you know, to produce large amounts of modified RNA vaccine for generalized use, Pfizer changed its manufacturing process, process one, used to produce materials for the randomized clinical trial to a process two, similar to the one already being used by Moderna. The SARS-CoV-2 spike sequence was cloned into a plasmid containing a bacterial origin of replication, generically termed ORI, active in E. coli. This plasmid and the 675 base pair for Pfizer and Moderna also contain an aminoglycoside gene. Regardless, I won't continue to read, but what, what what's the important thing here is even that is fraudulent as well. So um, basically what they're saying is the product uh, that we have all come to know as the vaccine that's in the general population not only is contaminated, not only has what we call SV40, and we'll talk a little bit more about SV40 in a second, but um, it also isn't the product that was used in the randomized controlled trial. And given that, that's even more fraudulent. So, But I will, again, tell you the reason that they had to change is because making the product that they had designed to make on a small scale to give to a randomized controlled trial of 60,000 people to ramp that up to billions of doses is amazingly different than the, the outcome should be the same, uh, but the process is going to have to be changed some. And that process being changed is where probably most of this contamination entered. Yeah, that's right. But um, what is the, the, all of that is, uh, should have been known. They should have been known to be checking for it. In this long two-hour interview, uh, they were um, they explained how the, what you were saying happened in great detail. But they said that the FDA and the other company countries um, regulatory agencies did not check or trust. They just they just trusted Pfizer to do what they were doing. They didn't even check them. But what was specific in the contract that Bridal talked about was if there is contamination of something like SV40, you are obligated to reporting it. That's okay. Let's say that during the processing and the development of these uh, vaccines, that a year after starting doing it, somehow there's contaminant of this SV40. And we're going to explain that in a minute. Then they have to report it. But what's so evil, and this is huge, this SV40 thing is huge. It is so horrible. What they did was they initially had it in the initial uh, batches they sent out, but they took it out of the paperwork when they were reporting possible contaminants. They took it, they excluded it, even though they knew it was there to begin with. That was from FOIA requests. I mean, this is so evil. So uh, let's get to an important thing for the listeners, Um, uh, Jordan. Can you explain what the SV40 is doing, this promoter is doing? Yeah, so the SV promoter enhancer, which, by the way, in the one, the vials that were tested, seems at this point only to be present in the Pfizer vaccine, uh, which is weird. And it, again, goes to show you that Pfizer changed their manufacturing process on the fly, while Moderna's manufacturing process for this, probably because they were more adept at historically using RNA or mRNA, uh, was more uh, probably uh, more um, 
more consistent. But uh, the SV Promoter is utilized in this case as a way to get these things to replicate. But the problem is the SV Promoter, a promoter, an important thing, is associated with all kinds of harm. And it actually, if it's present in the actual outcome, um, meaning in the thing you're injecting, it is known to cause damage uh, to a lot of our basically tumor suppressor genes, things that actually keep us from getting um, or developing cancer. So this thing being there and present uh, is an awful, um, awful outcome. The other thing is, is a, you know, SV40 is also associated with thrombotic or uh, inflammatory um, issues in the body as well. So um, all those things uh, just mean that basically you might have been thinking that you were protecting yourself, but instead um, what happens is uh, you're giving yourself something that you really never asked for, nor would anyone ever ask for to be put in their body. Exactly. And what what is so striking about this, the egregious nature of this is what cannot be lost on people. They were told in the contract, knowing what it the danger of it, they were told in the contract, if there were any biological plasmids that uh, were developed, like SV40, then you must report it immediately. Yet looking back on it, this was in the initial batches three years ago. And so like these guys talk about, uh, and I think that's an important uh, segment I play because they've, they've got indemnity, they're immune from being prosecuted, but that case about against Gilead on remdesivir where they had contaminants in it, you're not you're not uh, excused for having a bad uh, process because yeah, that's a, not what they call we it an adulterated up. an adulterated product is not you know if the adulterated product is from your source meaning like it's it's in your product to begin with it's not again if you've got the product a uh, steward and you messed with it then injected it that's then the then the you know the issue is you but if the actual product itself is already different than what you state as coming out, that's when that adulterated product becomes. Um, yeah. An example of that is if I all of a sudden, um, thank God I never did give these shots, but if I had given them, but instead of get, getting it, I went into the trash and kind of uh, swirled it around in my trash can and then injected it into somebody, I would be personally responsible for that, right? Yeah, exactly. In other words, if I didn't use clean technique in giving it to my patients, well, that's not the uh, vaccine maker's uh, problem, um, fault. That's my fault for swilling it yeah. around the bottom of the trash can. And I think that's the other important reason why when Jessica Rose and uh, Kevin McKernan did this um, most recent follow-up paper, they used unopened vials on top of it because I think there was some question of, um, you know, whoa, whoa, well, it's a, those were not, those were open vials. It's like, mm, no, sorry, they were unopened. Uh, the first opening was done by them. So. Now, when I was uh, testifying in the um, legislature in Mississippi back in February with Dr. McCullough and others, there was a um, toxicologist, and she's been, she's just been wonderful. I'm blanking on her name right now. She's been, uh, we've seen her on several of our podcasts. Um, but uh, she was talking about this plasmid contamination to us, 
And that led to a lot of discussions with us. But what I've learned in listening to this discussion and others the last week or two is that these plasmids um, sometimes are intentionally utilized, but there is a process for their um, removal. In other words, there is contamination, but it's really not. It's an, uh, an acceptable contamination, if you will. But this one specifically has many worrisome things in it, not just SV40. And uh, the way that uh, the, the reading frame, the reverse reading frame, this is a technical thing, but the reverse reading frame, one of the uh, vaccinologists was saying, he's never seen something like this. So many, many things can be inserted into our DNA. There's the punchline. Yeah. Many things can be that are bad for us, like this promoter of cancer, if you will, can be inserted into our genes. And we, of course, hopefully won't, but the likelihood is that we will uh, pass it on to our offspring and generational harm to to occur. Yeah, I think there's a couple things about plasmid DNA that are important. One, it is uh, they are basically production sites of mRNA. So they basically continue to make uh, things long term. The other thing is that they're hard to break down. And uh, they can last a very long time. They're also associated with most antibiotic resistant bacteria um, usually have interaction with plasmids before those uh, basically are uh, developed. So antibiotic resistant uh, bacteria are not a good thing, by the way. Um, So having a bunch of people with these things sticking around in their body and then getting infections is probably not a great, uh, uh, great thing for. But it's you. They're utilized basically because. They're able to suck up um, RNA and then spit out. Uh, it's basically man's genetically modified um, of DNA to produce products that they want. Right. In other words, it's used to, uh, to um, rapidly and very, very rapidly um, make these types of products so that we can use them in medicine or, you know, in the, in the practice of medicine or in vaccines or things like that. So it's a normal process to expect. But this one was adulterated, and they knew it from the beginning. And it's yeah. one its one of the worst things they could have put in it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think the other thing is that the uh, plasmids themselves are questionably include promoters that weren't even told about. So meaning right. that, that SV40 promoter, um, the plasmids itself, technically in a good process, should be removed, but, um, but that's not what's, that's not what's, what was done. So with that, we will be back in, uh, for our next segment, we'll continue to talk about, uh, next, I guess the simian or the SV40 and how that uh, relates to what kind of damage can be done. And then we add in the Trojan horse of the lipid nanoparticles and we have created a monster. So again, this is Dr. Jordan Vaughn, Dr. Stuart Tinkersley on America Out Loud Pulse on iHeartRadio. Always one beat ahead. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. 
Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Welcome back to America Out Loud Pulse. I'm Dr. Stuart Tankersley with Dr. Jordan Vaughn. Uh, we're going uh, to talk a little bit more about the SV40 um, and uh, the packaging and how this is normalized, uh, the normal process should have been. And then we're going to talk about some more fraud uh, on several things. But back to the uh, SV40, Jordan, um, explain further what you think uh, people need to understand how momentous this is. Well, I mean, there's been an ongoing debate, actually, all the way back to, uh, first of all, using the SV40. Uh, There's a reason it's S, it's simian, which is monkey uh, virus. So this was back in the polio days where uh, they actually found that the uh, oral polio vaccine was uh, contaminated with this. And I think they thought that a lot of this had to do with the fact that obviously the medium that they used for making polio vaccine back then, I think was monkey kidneys, uh, if I remember, yep. Stuart. Um, and so that contamination um, was the subject of a lot of interest because after this oral polio vaccine uh, was found to have a lot of uh, indications for cancers or oncogenic mechanisms. In addition, just having those things themselves, that promoter can cause a lot of other issues, including the um, uh, the thrombotic risk a lot of times that we look at. And I think that's, again, goes back to, uh, first of all, the most important thing is, is that they're including something and not telling you about it. But even more important, um, this uh, is uh, quite um, concerning most importantly, because SV40 is an enhancer that facilitates nuclear localization. Um, so, Stuart, tell me why that would be bad if you had nuclear localization. Is that? Um, well, I don't remember that phrase, but what basically these things do is this segment of DNA inserts into the into the yes. human genome, and then um, and then they can trigger it promotes the development of cancer or the suppression of good things you just do, and they don't know where it's going to insert necessarily yeah and so this gives it this gives you a true uh possibility right of, of basically genomic integration right which exactly. is not which is not good nuclear localization is bad right. um, especially if it's something foreign so um all of that to say uh they've got a little bit of um poop on their hands to figure out what to do about this. So, but the, but the ground, the, the uh, ground shattering news is they knew uh, through FOIA requests. Now a major, a, a country, a country's government has now, de- has shown this to be a concern. 
they've been covering for the uh, for the illegalities and all and promoting so many wrong things. But now the Canadian government is stating that the contamination is there, and and there is no covering for Pfizer to be able to do the to, to get away with it. There should be. Now we know the adulteration of uh, the judicial system, but the uh, but if justice is to be served, Pfizer should go. Uh, every one of these executives that knew this should go to prison, and Pfizer should be a company no more. Yeah. Again, I think this is a another example of um, us messing. First of all, for the COVID or the SARS-CoV-2 outbreak itself, messing with things we don't need to be messing with. Um, but then even in its, uh, this is the very same stuff to make the vaccine is messing around with things that usually the benefit versus the harm, the harm and risk associated with messing with this stuff, especially injecting it into billions and billions of healthy people um, is unknown. And if anything is uh, um, stupid. So, yeah, and but. another major part that we always we just I mean there's so many big things that we we can't always explain or talk about, but informed consent has been a major part of bioethics since uh, World War II. Well, really historically it has been, but especially it's been codified since World War II. These shots never allowed the doctor to know, and so they should never have bought into the, the dispensing of these shots because. There was no informed consent that, hey, look, if we give you this shot, you might have a SV40 um, uh, code put into your DNA. I don't think that was ever discussed with one patient on the planet. Well, in fact, they actually said the opposite. That's right. Um, which, so, um, you know, it's one thing to say we don't know. Um, it's another to say we know it doesn't, and then it does. And right. I think that's that's going to be the biggest problem is when they came out and basically said, there's no way it could happen. Um, a lot of people didn't, first of all, don't understand. I mean, this is a, you know, f- even from what I know, I mean, this is this, this technology and this, um, the understanding to really appropriately vet uh, what is being given to you is going to be highly complex. And so it, it really takes, um, takes almost a PhD times two to figure out what the heck they're doing. Um, and so it's very easy to mislead regulators. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the f- classic example, even of Boeing. It's like, if you're the person designing the dang thing, it's easy to mislead the people that are um, supposed to be reining you in and making sure you're doing the right thing. So I think. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, there's so much to talk about with this, but, this reminds me, a couple of years ago, I had a, um, a patient, and um, she has a high school diploma and a, um, and a, uh, and a um, community college diploma, and not in science at all. And she was very offended by assertions about um, Fauci that I made. And this was uh, soon after... JFK, RFK wrote his book on him, and she had, of course, never read anything. All she knew about Fauci was he was uh, Christ reincarnate 
Um, I mean, he was a god to her. And when I tried to uh, explain it to her, she could not see anything. She could not hear a word about it. And she had the fear that the government put us in, the trap of fear that the government put us in. I think of her often. There is no way she could accept anything that was against the narrative because she was so gripped by fear. And I met, I talked to her multiple times because it really had all these lockdowns and everything. It really um, affected her anxiety. And um, she just couldn't hear it. And she ended up leaving me uh, as a patient, her choice. And the whole reality is these lies upon lies upon lies upon lies upon lies. And of course, I didn't uh, dog cuss Fauci or anything like that. I just laid out the evidence. But they have been so injurious. Uh, they've been epic. Um, everything they have done virtually has been wrong. When that happens, that tells you there is intent. And that is what is so stark about this whole catastrophe for almost going on four years, for over four years, because they had the first, they had uh, COVID back in China back in uh, August of 20, uh, of 19. And so for over four years, there's been one lie upon one lie upon one lie. And we, our country, is culpable for this. And so uh, we're going to, in our next, uh, the next thing we want to do, and uh, this, I think, is ground-shattering uh, news, what we've just discussed. I think it's the most important discussion um, that Steve Kirsch has ever put together. But... Um, Let's go through some more. We went through, I went through a preprint server this past week, and uh, there more and more is being revealed about the fraud. And Jordan, I'm going to kind of throw a curveball at you. And let's go back uh, before we go to the mask study that's in the preprint. Let's talk about how um, adulterated the um, studies were showing the modeling for how dangerous this pandemic would be. You mind uh, talking about that before the face mask article? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think for the most part, you're talking about uh, modeling that basically was utilized to um, close down the world. Um, instead, actually, uh, when they went back and looked at if any of these things were reproducible. So in, in medicine or really in science in general, the re reproducibility matters. So if Stuart had to find something and says that, uh, it's right. And, you know, he does all this, you know, stuff and says, hey, this is what I found, Jordan. If I can't in my clinic or in my lab uh, replicate what he said, uh, either two things are wrong. One, his wasn't right to begin with, or I'm doing it wrong as well. Um, but usually reproducibility is what kind of defines something that can be relied upon. Okay, so that's, you know, when we talk about what are theories, what are laws, reproducibility is kind of the big thing, because just because something happens once uh, doesn't mean anything. It means that basically it happened um, out of the hundred most cited articles. And this is, again, a, uh, a paper looking at the reproducibility of covid error infectious disease models. Uh, only 11 of them out of 100 were reproducible. So again, so if all these studies that were stated that were used by your local governments, nat national governments, federal governments, 
and our WHO to say, hey, we need the whole world to shut down. We need everyone to take a adulterated vaccine um, that uh, we actually had no idea that it has simian, you know, SV40 in it uh, because of here's our model. Well, the problem is only 11 of those models. So 10% of the models that they throw at you were able to be reproduced. And so that means that they were uh, relying on a 10% correct factor, which most people would say is probably, I would say if, if somebody was correct 10% of the time, I probably am not taking them to Vegas, Stuart. Are right. you? Yeah, yeah. So, well, it's not a good group to be uh, to be risking the entire population of the planet on. Yeah. Uh, and so that, again, says uh, the reproducibility of these studies. No one ever goes back and looks at them, but thankfully people are. So um, and I think another- and not only that, we found that only four were able to be computationally reproduced. So yeah. using the resources provided. So, um, you know, that to me, that, again, just shows you that it was one sided almost ideological um, because one thing that is true when you can't reproduce something, it's likely that there's some bias in whoever's evaluating it. And I think that's probably what, what happened here too. So beyond that, Stuart, what else we got? Well, on that one real quick, it was out of uh, Australia and uh, it was, they looked at, to, from January 2020 to August of 22. So they didn't just take the first couple of months. They were very, very thorough in evaluating all this. And what's yeah, it so, wasn't they were just wrong in the beginning. It's like they were consistently wrong throughout. And, and, the, and what is so revelatory about it was the higher you go on the scientific pyramid, Cambridge, Harvard, all of these very well-reputed for generations now, well-reputed places, they were the ones producing it. They were the ones producing the fraudulent data. I forget that fool out of uh, Cambridge who, uh, um, Neil Ferguson, maybe? Yeah, he, he was out of uh, uh, college, uh, University of College of London, or say, yeah. University of London. So Yeah, but... Um, and all Imperial and, College of London, sorry. Yeah, all the people were screaming... Uh, um, honest people were screaming about how fraudulent his data was back then, yet somehow Fauci trusted it. And uh, anyway, so moving on to the next article in the preprint server, um, face masks. Face masks to control the source of respiratory infections. A systematic review of the scientific literature before and after COVID-19. Yep, um, it came out of the University of Washington, Seattle School of Public Health and uh, San Francisco Department of Epidemiology. Jordan, what they find about the mask studies since the on- onset of the pandemic? So, first of all, even study authors were significantly more supportive of masks as source control in the post-pandemic literature. But even importantly, so these people were biased to begin with, but the actual quality of evidence in the published literature on masks as source control, meaning wearing them to keep you from giving it to somebody, is lower after the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. So as much as they would say that, well, this is different, you know, flu is not comparable, um, what what they found was that the uh, the actual evidence actually got less uh, because they even looking into it more, 
um, probably, you know, robustly proved the very thing they already knew, which was that there isn't much evidence to begin with. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it went it, fraud, 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 and fraud through and through the scientific uh, industrial, the medical industrial complex revealed more and more and more. And it's, it's unforgivable. It's generational harm to our profession uh, that we've been blessed to be a part of. But um, have we really been blessed, I guess? Uh, but uh, it is, it's, it's awful. It is such an indictment uh, once again. But um, we're going to come back with several other um, studies after this uh, break on America Out Loud Pulse. Dr. Jordan Vaughn, I'm Dr. Stuart Tankersley on iHeartRadio. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. So we are back. Again, we are going to run through a couple other things that are starting to shed light onto how awful, um, again, our authorities' response to COVID was. Uh, the first one is um, one that looks at safety of monovalent vaccine um, COVID-19 in the U.S. children aged 6 months to 17 years. And so the interesting thing about this was it reaffirmed 
um, the risk of myocarditis. There was no question uh, that myocarditis had a significant signal. But there was another new signal, a signal that um, many people probably might find concerning. And that was that uh, seizure and convulsion signals were detected following vaccination with these mRNA injections in children two to four slash five years of age. So um, that's probably not a good signal there, is it, Stuart? One that actually, uh, for the most part, the myocarditis, pericarditis one was reaffirmed, uh, but to pick up another one uh, doesn't sound uh, too good, and especially in the age group and uh, the thing affected, I, I would say, uh, affecting the brain in two to f- five-year-olds is probably not a great, uh, great thing to uh, to tell yeah. the loving parent. Right, and uh, this uh, goes to another example in, in a way of what I have learned about things that uh, I didn't I didn't know when I was being trained twenty-five years ago in residency or whatever or medical school was that um, uh, seizure or I mean uh, fever fever after a vaccine in the child has high potential risk for uh, permanent damage. And, uh, of course, we have dismissed it for decades now, but uh, this study shows the increased risk after the shots from in children uh, for a disease they have no risk of. They have no risk, virtually zero risk, of dying from this shot, uh, from the infection, Yet we're going to introduce a very immunologically active or uh, inflam- pro-inflammatory shot into these children. With a mix of plasma DNA and simulators. Yeah, sure. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let's make sure and circle back on that uh, groundbreaking uh, evidence of the uh, malfeasance of our governments. Um, but uh, th- this signal, this seizure convulsion signal, um, it's undeniable, and uh, we know mechanisms by which this is happening. Uh, neuroinflammation is happening, uh, but um, what was the re- what was as a result of this finding um, out of uh, Acumen, which is a company that does research for uh, public the FDA. Health. Yeah, the FDA and the FDA was involved in this. What was the FDA's recommendation based on this signal? We need to research it more. Yep. Normally, it would be stop the presses. Don't do this. Oh, well, wait, we, we need to validate this, you know. It's just amazing how uh, corrupt these people are because um, they've got an agenda that they are running right over our children with. Yep. And then... Going to the next study, as we are inundated with Taylor Swift's boyfriend um, and his get two things done at once commercial, um, you might want to rethink that as this is a preprint. But again, October 15th, uh, the title of this paper is Ischemic Stroke After Bivalent COVID-19 Vaccine and basically utilizes data to look, especially in the people that receive both a uh bivalent vaccine and an influenza vaccine on the same day had a relative increase in ischemic stroke in young people from day one to 42. So the conclusion of this again, the potential association between bivalent COVID-19 vaccination and ischemic stroke 
in the one to 42 day analysis warrants further investigation among individuals <laughs> under 65. So seems like at least I don't know if you watched any um, uh, Alabama. Well, you're Auburn fan, but if you watch any college football this weekend, yep. um, I'm pretty sure you probably saw that commercial a couple of times. Does that seem like it's a they were further investigating it or does that seem like they're pushing it? Yeah, it seems like uh, Kelsey may have some Dame Bramage um, because uh, he, um, I guess he's making, he's not making enough money playing or dating uh, Taylor Swift. So he has to make some from Pfizer uh, and yeah. the rest of us, which is our money. Um, but um, my favorite, um, my favorite little meme is that he's going to get his heart broken either way. So. <laughs> That's right. I was listening to Steve Dace when he said that. I thought that was hysterical. Um, Who's going to break his heart first? Um, So, um, uh, you know, once again, do not get your shot. Do not get a COVID shot again. But do not get them, especially if you're inclined to. If you're one of the less than two percenters that are still inclined to get the shot, um, then uh, don't get it with the flu shot. Because uh, this study, uh, once again, their their results, people that should be helping us, their results show well. We might might need to actually uh, study this anymore, some more. But um, yeah, there there we are, another uh, fraudulent uh, example of our public health uh, not providing help for us. <laughs> and then, then uh, Stuart, my favorite study is a Dutch study, and I think the favorite part of the study is the. Uh, conclusion and we'll read it at the end, but basically talks about an association between adverse events after COVID-19 vaccination and your antibody concentration in the beginning. Uh, So meaning, have you had probably COVID before? Uh, And actually uh, 34% of people um, had a, uh, basically an adverse event and the Worse, higher pre-vaccination antibody concentrations were associated with higher incidence of systemic AEs after the second and third dose. And funny enough, their conclusion says our study suggests that high pre-vaccination antibody levels induce AEs and that experiencing AEs may be a good a marker for a good antibody response to vaccination. So, again, uh, we can go back and look who actually wrote that, you know, who, who was sponsoring that study. But it's funny. It's like, you know, if you have an adverse event, that's actually a good sign. That's a, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's proof that we're getting what we want, which is yeah, exactly. um, an injury and death. Um, the, um, the, the adverse events, uh, once again, if you had an infection back in 16, and this isn't, we didn't learn this in 16, but Fauci even said the best vaccination is the infection. You get the best immune response from an infection. Of course, we threw that out the window in 2020. But um, not only is it the best uh, protection, but it also is harmful to experiment after getting an infection. Um, It's just another example of our government uh, not doing anything. And then um, there was another study, uh, neuroinflammation in post-acute sequelae of COVID-19, so long haulers, as, discuss, as assessed by PET, uh, uh, correlates with vascular disease measures. So I think the world of the Massachusetts, uh, Harvard, 
Massachusetts General, uh, Harvard Medical School is starting to uh, uh, catch up with you there, uh, Jordan. They're starting to understand that it looks like, what? There's inflammation in the brain and the vascular system is not uh, is not acting uh, right and causing problems in the brain after an infection. Well, why yep. do you think that that's occurring? Maybe it's the spike protein that you just injected people with the instructions to make uh, gazillions of copies of for exactly. an amount of time. And the fact that, the again, back to the lipid nanoparticles allow it to easily cross the blood-brain barrier. Don't get me wrong, during an infection, uh, it can also cross as well because this thing is um, designed in such a way to cause that damage. But the easiest way is to pack it with a little bit of a um, little bit of a, you know, a buttery slippage right there into the, the blood-brain barrier right past it and uh, cause neuroinflammation. So there's and no not question. Only that, you, I remember over a year ago, I think you were showing me how when you looked at the heart muscle, um, the that after an infection, the spike protein doesn't penetrate as much into the heart muscle as when the spike protein is accompanied by the lipid nanoparticle from the shots, it allows it to penetrate further into the myocardium. You remember what I'm yep. talking about? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think that's, again, I think they're two different entities. Well, I think the spike proteins, for the most part, is is just man's gift to man. Uh, it's, it's dangerous to begin with. But when you pack it with a, um, uh, with a secret sauce, is what I would say, um, you're just making it more damaging. So. Yeah. And so uh, it's not surprising. What is kind of fraudulent about this is that why aren't they comparing the infected of the unvaccinated versus the, uh, the vaccinated? Um, and here, here may, may be the answer. We used a quote from the article. Uh, we used PET neuroimaging, a marker of neuroinflammation, to compare 12 long haulers versus 43 normal healthy controls. We found significantly increased neuroinflammation in the long haulers versus controls across across a wide swath of brain regions um, throughout the brain. And so they only had 12, 12 people with long haulers. Well, why don't there are plenty of people demonstrating neurological problems from these shots? Why didn't they do that with them only? That would be much more helpful because people in Massachusetts were highly vaccinated. Um, so why didn't they? They should have been more honest in looking at the people they can help the most are those who were vaccinated compared to the unvaccinated. Yeah. And they didn't do that. They certainly didn't note it in the article if they did. But it seemed like uh, that Harvard, which is supposed to be the bastion of virtue in science, um, uh, they they dropped the ball in a big way here. Yeah, I think um, again it's going after the you know they, uh, they responded to the the fire they thought that was burning with uh, in a sense uh, the wrong uh, <laughs> the wrong thing to put it out. But that's not again shows yeah. you that our system itself is um, is damaged and doesn't allow 
thinking beyond one central ideology. I mean, this, for the most part, I think most all of these things from mask to vaccinating with a uh, with vaccinating with a pathogen to vaccinating during a pandemic or during an outbreak, um, all of those things in a typical time where people weren't, I guess, picking ideological sides would have been questioned and questioned uh, to the benefit of the people. Um, but questioning was uh, not allowed. And so when it's not allowed, uh, harm happens. Yeah. And here, here's their opening paragraph, the introduction to this paper. The coronavirus disease 19 global pandemic caused by severe SARS-2 COVID virus 2 has triggered a consequential public health crisis of long COVID or post-acute sequelae of COVID-19 past C. Defined by symptoms that begin following acute infection or persist from that initial acute illness. CDC and, uh, and World Health Organization statements. That's where they got those statements. Nowhere in there is there any culpability of these shots. They are yeah. causing immense more, and we've known that. And they complete, they continue three and a half years later, four years into this, Harvard refuses to acknowledge the obvious. It's very, very offensive. It's not scientific at all. Yeah. Well, but again, anybody with a brain knows that the spike protein causes the damage. And what does the vaccine make you make? A really now we know an adulterated form of the spike um, and also packs a little side punch with SV40 and some plasmids. God knows what they'll make you do. But um, that obviously you didn't even know you asked for because they're not on the ingredient list. So, Yeah. And um, I think uh, I'm going to, I think it'd be worthwhile just because of the uh, earth shattering news from Steve Kirsch's um, interview with these three scientists. Let's circle back real quick. And I just wanted to read uh, some of his summary findings from his website. It's covered in the uh, Steve Kirsch interview with these three eminent uh, scientists. Number one, what is the probability of irreparable harm? Very high. Very high. Uh, why these experts all believe that the vaccines are adulterated? In other words, the proof, even Canada um, is acknowledging it now. The evidence that the drug companies deliberately concealed the presence of the SV40 promoter sequence from the regulators. It's revealed here for the first time, and it's really compelling, he says, and I agree 100% with that. Four, how the drug companies cleverly avoided violating the contamination specifications by using two different measurement techniques depending on what was being measured. The different techniques have different sensitivities and the regulators underspecified the requirements so the drug companies were clever. Wow. Number five, nobody from the FDA, CDC, EMA, WHO, or every other health authority in the world, have they've never contacted any of these researchers on their work since it was first published in April. Kevin, he was talking about... Uh, uh, Kevin um, uh, McKernan. McKernan. Yeah, guy you've spoken to. Um, all right. 
Number six, that Health Canada did nothing to stop the vaccines after admitting the vaccines contained an active ingredient that they were never notified existed and have no clue how damaging it is. They aren't going to stop the vaccine. They aren't going to warn the public, and they certainly are not going to do the research into the harms being done, nor will they even ask the drug companies to do the research. They are simply going to act like it didn't happen and make sure that the press doesn't write about it so nobody will know. They just want the whole mistake to go away, and their hope is by ignoring it, it will just disappear. Number seven, how no health authority in the world is even asking the drug companies any questions like, quote, so who removed the SV promoter label from the diagrams, and why did they do it? Eight, that none of the regulators ask any questions as to, quote, why is that in there? Yeah, that's a key question. Nine, the press is remaining silent. Not surprising. Ten, why Congress isn't asking questions. Unbelievable. Uh, and the states, and the states are, aren't asking questions. Number 11, what these experts expect the FDA will do now. How they think Pfizer and Moderna will extricate themselves or not. How serious the harms are. How many labs has Kevin McKernan shipped his testing kit to. Why no health authorities worldwide will fund the research as to whether or not this irreparably damages your DNA. The evidence going back decades is it does. <laughs> uh, next, which media is covering the news? Very little. Why, next, why testing monocyte in blood is the best chance for finding a signal, but sperm and, signal, and semen may be the most telling. And this is, wow. Next, why pregnant mothers should never, never, never take the COVID shots. Uh, how the next, how the CDC could possibly justify recommending the vaccine to pregnant women, to women is just um, egregiously wrong. I hope people go to prison for doing such harm to our babies. And lastly, how the experts think this will end. It was a fascinating interview that we're going to attach to today's podcast. And we thank you for joining us once again on America Out Loud Pulse. Dr. Jordan Vaughn, I'm Dr. Stuart Tankersley on iHeartRadio.